Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. Because the world needed decent, even more than it needed brilliant, which her son also happened to be. Charmaine Wilkerson, Black Cake. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia, and this week it's time for our quarterly series, The Kids' Table. Every few months, my cousin Ashley and I sit down to talk about what we're reading, watching, and listening to that season. Basically, we're having the kinds of conversations we might have around our family's kids' table. Welcome back to the show, Ashley. Thank you very much. I'm so glad to have you here because I feel like, I won't say all the people, But many of the people, some of the people, want to know about our recent escapades. You and I, for my birthday, took a much longed-for, hoped-for, planned-for trip to New York City. Yes, this trip was a long time coming, and it is kind of a miracle that it happened, but I am extremely glad that it did. (laughs) It was truly miraculous that we got to take this trip. We got back a couple of weeks ago. We took every kind of precaution. We were so careful and cautious, as cautious as you can be while traveling during a global pandemic that's still happening. But we originally started planning this cousin trip, honestly, what, when you were graduating high school? Oh, we've we've been been talking talking about about this for a long time. So the fact that it finally got to happen really did feel like an absolute dream come true. This was your first time in New York. Yep. Yep. New York. How do you feel? How do you feel? What? Two weeks later, how are you feeling? I am a little depressed (laughs) that I am not still there. Everything in my life is like, what if I was still in New York or this is how they do it in New York or this is how it was in New York. Like, And now that like it's cold, but there's no snow here, and like I'm over it. Like I only want the beautiful New York snow. I'll even take that New York sludge that we were walking through (laughs) over just this nasty cold that we have here. But my life has forever changed for the better, even if I am still a little bit sad that I'm not there. Oh, were you changed for the better, just like Alphaba? Oh my goodness, yes, full circle. (laughs) Yes, I did. Okay, so I thought it would be fun because obviously we don't want to devote this entire bookish podcast to our trip to New York. So I thought you could give maybe your two or three favorite things. I would give my two or three favorite things. We'd briefly talk about food and then we'd move on. Oh, this isn't all going to be about New York because that's what I came prepared for. (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. (laughs) Okay, so what were, well, I think I can guess what our mutual favorite thing was. What, What was your favorite thing? So should I not say our mutual favorite thing? No, you should. Let's do it. Okay, because it's my favorite thing, and it was The Music Man with Hugh Jackman and Sutton Foster, who are both dreamboats. Oh, and who were both actually there. Like, a couple of people who, I think locals to Thomasville, like, saw me after I got back, and they said, oh, how was it? Did you really get to see Hugh Jackman? And I was like, I really got to see Hugh Jackman. And I (laughs) am as stunned about that as you are. Look, it would have been, it still would have been a great show without them. Mm -hmm. And like, 
I would have been fine if they hadn't been there, but the fact that they were there and the show was the way that it was, it still a little bit makes me want to cry. And I might go to sleep every night trying to remember every single detail about it. Their performances, you're right. It would have been stunning no matter what, because we went to see Wicked also on this trip. And honestly, just seeing Broadway performers of such a caliber is truly stunning. But there was something about Sutton and Hugh, if I can just use their first names, (laughs) that just really elevated everything. And the whole show was so joyful and fun and their chemistry was delightful. I, pre-Music Man thought, sure, Hugh Jackman's great. But like, I don't really think about Hugh Jackman very much in general. And you and I left there, and I know we're related, but we both looked at each other and we were like, are we attracted to Hugh Jackman now? (laughs) The answer is yes. The answer is most definitely yes. So that was also my favorite thing. Life-changing. If you can go, I think it officially, we were there for previews, whatever that means. Now it's real. And if you get a chance to go, I I just can't recommend it enough. Did I tell you that someone messaged me on Instagram about the music man because she had gone before we were there and then saw us go and was like, I need to do this again. And so she went a second time. Oh, and like loved loved it. She was, you know, obsessed with it. And so now I'm like, she lives, I think she lives in Virginia or somewhere. I can I can't remember her name. I'm so sorry. I didn't think I was going to talk about this, but I was like, (laughs) if you need to go for a third time, you know where to find me. Anyone who needs to go to New York, just let me know. I am available. I've already saw, we have some flight, we have some weird flight credits and things now because so much of our original flights were canceled or delayed or had issues. And so I've already thought, and some of them are in your name and some of them are in my name. So I was like, should we just go again? I think we could go again. We should. Why not? So stay tuned. Okay. Music Man was also my favorite thing, but my second favorite thing was going to see Seth Meyers. I will be honest. There were moments where I looked at Ashley and I was just wondering, should we be doing this? Because it was very time consuming to go to a live (laughs) television production. And when you're only in New York for a certain period of time, you're like, oh, do I really want to spend five hours? Like, waiting in lines and not taking pictures and not being able to, you know, share with the world where you are. And I can tell you that for me, the answer to those questions is yes, you do want to do that. I did think it was worth it. Seth Meyers is just as handsome as I wanted him to be, as I dreamed him to be, but also the whole thing was just really fun and it kind of cool just to see behind the scenes, to get to go behind the scenes of essentially 30 rock and to see these framed pictures of SNL and like the history of this storied building and just to get to participate as a live audience member and to basically get to see a free comedy show was delightful. This is a dumb question, but did we pay for those tickets? No, that was, that was a free show. Yeah. It was nuts. It is nuts. Like, it's just, you could, as long as you were patient enough, essentially, and you, you know, we signed up, it was a whole thing. We like signed up for tickets. So we played the waiting game, but it did not financially cost us anything, which is, he's a, he's a great performer. It was really fun. That's mind blowing. I love, I would pay money. I would pay so much money to see that anyway. Mm -hmm. I love all things behind the scenes. So live, live TV tapings are 
100% yes for me. Always worth it. Although, interestingly, we did transform into alternate versions of ourselves in the live audience. I fully expected (laughs) Ashley, who has a secret or not-so-secret dream of like being on the stage. I really expected her to come alive during the live studio audience <laughs> and to get to the point where the warm up comic would like see her big eyes over her mask and like come and talk to us. And I was just stunned that they didn't pick on us to ask, like I raised my hand to ask a question. I fully expected the warm up comic to like see us together and to ask us questions. And I was kind of bummed that he didn't like, I cheered as loud as I could. And when we left, I looked at Ashley and I was like, I just knew he was going to call on us because you give off this vibe of like wanting to be on the stage. And Ashley looked at me deadpan and was like, I didn't make eye contact with anybody. <laughs> I wasn't going to look at anybody. Because look, I kn- it was going to happen. I have those deer in the headlights eyes. And the, the what's it, what was he called? Not stage manager, whatever the, the warm up guy. We kept yeah. making eye contact. And so I knew it was coming. And I didn't want him to talk to me because I do not watch Seth Meyers like you do. I enjoy Seth Meyers, but like I have have zero knowledge of his show. I know I could have just handed it over to you and I wish I had done that. And if we do it again, then I will. And I will raise my hand on your behalf, but I I was not prepared. I could not believe it because I'm going to tell, I'm going to say that there were a couple of instances on this trip and we're going to use a literary reference because this is a bookish podcast. There were a couple of instances on this trip where I finally realized that our sibling energy is Bianca and Catherine from Taming of the Shrew. (laughs) And there were multiple moments. I told my dad this today, and I thought he was going to fall out of the chair. (laughs) There were multiple moments where I was like, oh, this is Bianca and the Shrew take Manhattan. (laughs) And and I'll give you two guesses (laughs) as to who's who. (laughs) Ashley is Bianca, and I'm the Shrew. And I just knew Bianca was going to get me on stage at Seth Meyers, and instead... During Seth Meyers, I became Bianca and you became the shrew. You and came I was not alive. It. If the <laughs> stage, if the warm-up guy had been Hugh Jackman or Sutton Foster, then I would have probably been uh, security would have been called on me because I would have <laughs> jumped on the stage. But Seth Meyers is not my lane. I should have it should have made it my lane on your behalf. Next and I know time. that for next time. <laughs> next time. Okay. Do you have any other New York highlights or like a favorite thing that we did? All all my favorite things. Is it nerdy, too nerdy of me to say the shark exhibit? No. At the the museum? Yes, because we did two museum things that speak, I think, directly to our personalities. We did the shark exhibit for you. (laughs) And that was, wait, that was the Museum of Natural, what museum was that? I don't even remember. American Museum of Natural History. Okay, so we did the shark exhibit because Ashley loves sharks. And then the day we left, we did that the day we arrived. The day we left, we did the New York Public Library treasures exhibit. And when I saw the handwritten Declaration of Independence, I began to weep openly. And so those are our two personalities. It's fine. Bo- both nerdy in their own right, but just in different ways. No, I thought the museums were a real highlight. We just don't get stuff like that here, really. 
We really don't. We mean, well, we do have this Tallahassee Museum, but nothing I like love the Tallahassee Museum. Nothing not like shirts for the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> not quite on the same caliber, although I do love the Tallahassee <laughs> Museum. Highly recommend. Okay, favorite meal we ate. Okay, easy answer. It is Locanda Verde, and I had a butternut squash risotto with shaved truffles on top. And I have never had truffles before, but now I am a believer. I never understood what they were until I saw them. And then you told me because I still couldn't tell what they were because <laughs> the bookshelf the bookshelf sells truffles, but they are made of chocolate. And that <laughs> would not have been thing. a good combination. <laughs> so I'm, I'm a other kind of truffle believer now. And I still think about that meal and how delicious it was. I almost texted you on Sunday night to be like anniversary, one week anniversary of you eating butternut squash risotto. <laughs> Look, I don't think before, before that, I don't think I knew what the best meal of my life was. Mm, and now, you know, now it's that. Yeah. That was a restaurant recommendation from Shauna Nequist. Shauna did not like text me that or anything. It's just, she had it on her Instagram. You could have left that it. out and just let people believe you're on texting terms with Shauna. Um, but that was an excellent meal. And I think I, I also loved that restaurant. I know it sounds touristy, but I really did enjoy my birthday breakfast at Tavern on the Green. That was, I think my favorite experience. That place was, look, we never missed on meals. Every single we meal we had was fantastic. I also really liked Sarah Bess for breakfast. I thought about Ooh, Sarah their breakfast so for a long time afterwards too. Ooh, that, that was so good. Also, Jordan and I never understand why when we go out of town, it's fresh squeezed orange juice everywhere. But when we drink orange juice here, where like oranges are outside our door, we don't get fresh squeezed orange juice at restaurants. I don't understand it. I'll tell you why. Because I work in Florida agriculture. Oh, Florida provides all the oranges to everywhere else. So Floridians can't always find it unless it's like Tropicana or something. Yes. But none of, Florida doesn't keep its oranges. They go everywhere else. They're the largest exporter of oranges in the nation. Oh my gosh. I had no idea. Because Jordan and I have been, because breakfast is one of our favorite meals to eat out when we travel. And we will go to Chicago or New York or Philadelphia. And I'll always order orange juice because it is always fresh squeezed everywhere else. And it is never fresh squeezed locally. No shade to my favorite local joints, but like it's not. Yeah, it's disappointing. I mean, I don't know where specific restaurants get their produce, but I'm guessing a lot of them get their oranges from Florida. Oh, fascinating. This is why you're the expert. Any last minute New York observations? We've taken up approximately 16 minutes with our <laughs> New York trip details. <laughs> I mean, I have a lot more, but we can move on. Okay, so let's talk about reading and what we've been reading. This is Kids Table, the winter edition. We last spoke right before Christmas. And so let's kind of chat about what we've been reading this month. You want to go first? You go first because you probably have more than me. Okay. So I listened to, and actually this is a recommendation for you as well, because I know you like to listen to an audiobook. So I listened to Toni Morrison's only short story she ever wrote called Recitatif. I hope I am pronouncing that correctly. I did listen to the audiobook and I tried, I like practiced before I got on here uh, because I believe that is a French word, but it is... A short story written by Toni Morrison. It's her only short story, and it's never been published as a standalone book until now. And there is an audiobook version on Libro FM. 
And the introduction is written by Zadie Smith and is narrated by her. And then the book is narrated by someone else who is also a phenomenal narrator. Ashley, you need to listen to this. Here's why. It's like two hours. Like it's 45 minutes for the introduction and 45 minutes for the audiobook because it's a short story. And the whole idea and kind of the interesting thing about it, and then you can do what I did. I mean, if you want, no pressure, but you you could do a deep dive into all the reviews and articles and analyses. Is that the right word? Of this short story, because it is really interesting. It's got two main characters, Twyla and Roberta. And you know, from the beginning of the story that one of them is white and one of them is black, but you don't know which is which Toni Morrison specifically kind of removes racial coding from the story. And you as the listener reader find yourself trying to figure it out, like as if it is figure outable. And then of course you're analyzing yourself wanting to know why is it so important that I know which one of these women is white and which one of these is black. And then if you can move beyond that, you kind of get more into the story and who these women are. And so anyway, it is fascinating. I really loved it. I highly recommend, especially because why not? It's 45 minutes. Like you can get so much with just the short story and the introduction. The Zadie Smith introduction is phenomenal, by the way. So I highly recommend it. It's on Libro FM. Obviously you can read a physical copy and the new edition that has just released is really great, but I did really like my audio experience of this. And I think you would too. Nice. I've kind of fallen off the audiobook train the last several months. So that sounds like a pretty good one to get me back on it. Yeah. The book that I have read, I have, okay. So TBH, I have not read a lot since we last did this, but (laughs) (laughs) the one I did read is Hannah Coulter by Wendell Berry. Oh, did you? You've read it, right? No, I have not. You haven't? No, oh my goodness. I have not read this. I'm shocked. Okay, everybody, this I don't think this is a the kids table first, but is it it is a kids table rarity. So, please just let me bask in this moment for just a second. <laughs> have you you read Wendell Berry before though, right? Only his poetry. Okay, well, that's excellent. But <laughs> this book is very good. You will you would fly through it, and I think it is right up your alley. It's about a woman in her 70s who is twice widowed, recalling her childhood, her like love and loss, children, the changing of seasons. Um, and it's her just uh, offering her voice while she just like think, thinks about community and her opinions about the way things were, the way they are, and sometimes the way things might have been. It's pretty short, um, so you would read it probably in one sitting. But once you start, you will not be able to put it down. So Chet, my brother, your cousin, he loves Wendell Berry. My parents then became huge Wendell Berry fans. And so as you know, like last year I did a Jane Austen year. And then this year, I'm doing a Toni Morrison year. It's part of the reason I got that short story. And then next year, I already decided it's going to be my Wendell Berry year. So I'm really excited. It's given me, because I feel like there's always a lot of pressure, not not pressure, but just like I want to read his books and I never have, but now I have a designated mm-hmm. time where I'm going to do it. So I have that on my list for 2023. That's exciting. I didn't know you had systems like that, but that's yeah. interesting. I <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's very nerdy, uh, but I did it. I did it last year and really liked it. I read uh, three Jane Austen books throughout the year. And then this year I was going to try to do the same with Toni Morrison and then do the okay. same with Wendell Berry. Yeah. So structured. And that is <laughs> where our Venn diagrams do not cross. <laughs> um, okay. I also have another book 
that I do think you would really like. It is called What the Fireflies Knew, which I am sorry to say I consistently sing to myself as what the cowgirls do, but what the fireflies knew. Which is who I am as a person. So try not to sing what the fireflies knew uh, to yourself from now on. But it is a debut novel by uh, Kai Harris. And the narrator is an 11-year-old named KB. She spends the summer at her grandfather's home in Michigan. So it's very much kind of this coming of age story, reminiscent to me of something like Rabbit Cake. But actually, another bookstore owner, the owner of Fabled Bookshop, DM'd me and said, you know, it actually also reminded me kind of of really good children's literature because the narrator really is, really does feel like an 11 year old. So Kai Harris is obviously not 11 years old writing this great book, but she very much embodies 11-year-old KB. And in that way, it really does feel reminiscent of like your best written, your most well-written kids' books. And it's about this summer that she spends in Michigan with her granddad and her sister. And although there are parts of the book that are really kind of laugh out loud or at least feel very familiar uh, because they feel very reminiscent of, I think, everybody's childhoods to some extent, kind of this magic of childhood. There are also some really dark and um, kind of scary parts of the book, I guess, but they're all handled so, so beautifully. And I really think this would be a good book to pick up for book clubs. It was also one of those that was very easy to read. Like I just fell in love with the narration so much and I bet would be really good in audiobook format as well. Did you say that's come out already or yes, not? Yes, it is out already. It released this month. Okay. I'm interested in that one. I also read the book Black Cake. This is by Charmaine Wilkerson. It, the book gets its title from this cake that uh, they make in the Caribbean. And um, in this book, the matriarch of a family has died and the two siblings fly out to California and they're, they've kind of become estranged, but they fly out to California to learn what their mother has kind of left them. And turns out one of the things she has left them is this black cake. And then the other thing she's left is an audio recording kind of laying out some family secrets. And I love this book. It is Jenna Bush Hager's pick for the month of February. And Jenna and I, another person I am definitely on first name basis with, she and I continue to just really share literary tastes. And I really, really liked this book. And I also love that because I didn't receive ARCs of this one, I got to discover it along with everybody else, which is a rare, I feel like for me can be a rare feeling or for booksellers in general, I feel like could be a rare mm -hmm. feeling. So I really liked this one. I suspect you would too, but it is Black Cake by Charmaine Wilkerson. Again, family secrets, sibling story. Just really liked it. Nice. Okay. What about watching? I hope you're watching something good so you can tell me about it. <laughs> okay. I feel like so I need I'm, something. I'm watching things. They might not be good. The one good thing that I have seen, though, is I did end up watching Encanto. And oh, okay. I think we talked about that at some point because it's been really hyped up and I wanted yeah. to see what it was about. But I do think it is worth the watch. I think it's a very sweet story. It's about um, a family. I don't know where they're from, but it's either Mexico or another Spanish-speaking country. Mm -hmm. um, and all of the children, once they come of age, are given gifts. Um, mm -hmm. So one of them has like super strength. She's the oldest daughter. And then another one we see 
is given the gift um, of being able to speak to animals, communicate with animals. Um, Somebody else can control the weather. Somebody else has like really good hearing. And then there's the main character who ends up not getting a gift when she comes Mm -hmm. of age. Um, And it's the story of, you know, what that means, what a gift actually is. It's good music. I saw Lin-Manuel Miranda uh, contributed to it. And I don't know. It's just, it's just a really sweet story. Would I, should I watch it by myself or with Jordan? Probably by yourself. Okay. I'm just, I'm always right now trying to decide like some things I think Jordan would really like, but he's not around right now. And so I'm just trying. He's, he's fine. Everybody. He's just working a lot. (laughs) (laughs) That sounded darker than I meant for it. Uh, (laughs) So I just wondered if it's one I would enjoy by myself. Mm -hmm. I've heard the music is great. I just haven't watched it yet. So. Yeah, you definitely should. One one night when he's working late, try it out. Okay, something you and Caroline, your sister, my cousin, should be watching is Abbott Elementary. Okay. This is on Hulu. There's not a lot of episodes because it's like playing in real time. Like I think new episodes drop every Tuesday because I think it is an ABC show, I want to say, like a traditional show on your network television, but it's being put on Hulu, I think every Tuesday, maybe. Anyway, very much reminiscent of The Office, where it's kind of mockumentary style, but it's all about life at an elementary school. And I adore it. And I gasped out loud during the presentation of two characters. One, Chessie from The Parent Trap. I've never seen her in anything but The Parent (laughs) Trap. And she showed up on my screen and I literally said, Chessie! I couldn't believe she was back on my TV. And then I think this will, I think you will also understand this reference. This beautiful woman was on the screen, like with a very commanding presence. She plays the older teacher, I believe named Barbara. And I was like, who is she? She's so striking. And just, she has a real presence. Like I thought, is she from Broadway? Like, what do I recognize her from? (laughs) And then I figured out, oh my gosh, she's a mom from Sister Act (laughs) 2. Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, the mom from Sister Act 2. So mom. she's Lauren Hill's oh. mom. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. Like the mom who's like, you can't sing. No singing in my house. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. <laughs> she really does. I know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> she really does have this very striking presence. And sh- that's because I recognize her from as the strict mom from Sister Act 2. <laughs> wow. What a brain you have because I would never... <laughs> <laughs> never put it's, those together. I just think you and Caroline would really like it. I suspect teachers especially would really love it. But I think honestly, mo- you know, all of us went to elementary school. I just think there's a lot that's very recognizable about it. And I think Caroline would really like it. Is it, are the characters like mostly, is it centered around adults or children? Centered around adults, although you get some, you know, funny little looks and stuff from the kids, but it's really about the teachers and the administrators. Mm-hmm. The principal is a riot. Like she is so funny because she's so bad at her job. And <laughs> then they're like the main character is kind of an, o- like almost an overeager, but really good at her job teacher, but she's young. And so there's a lot of like generational differences between like this young optimistic teacher and then the more seasoned teachers Mm -hmm. who've like been around the block. I just really think it's great. I really highly recommend. Okay. That one sounds really exciting. We're probably going to start that this weekend maybe. Yeah. Um, Okay. So I've been watching this 
you've already seen it, but and it's not great, but <laughs> it does the it does the trick. And it's it's Emily in Paris, okay? I started it. Mm. I did not like the first episode, but here I am still watching it. I think it's pro- like it's a similar situation to Love Island. Oh, not yeah. in not in substance, but like like I mean subject, but like what it does for me. <laughs> like it's just yeah. it's not it's not good TV, but it's there and it's decent enough for me to like get hooked into. Yeah. So Emily is a social media manager. I am also a social media manager for a few different businesses. And I just need a PSA to say that <laughs> she is not good. <laughs> she does not represent what we do. And that is mostly why I don't like the show because she makes us look bad. But I mean, it's not, it's just not a good show, but I enjoy watching it. It's really not. And yet I'm with you. It's, it's like, so I watched the first season and didn't like it, but watched the whole thing. And then season two, like, I, I'm trying to think, was I more, was it more compelling? Was I more into it? I honestly couldn't tell you, but I finished the whole thing. Like <laughs> somehow, and for me, it's very bingeable. So it's like one of those Netflix shows that I watch in a couple of days and then I move on. My brain has completely forgotten anything that mm-hmm. happened. But yeah. I think it also goes back to pandemic. And yes, you and I did get to go to New York, but for the most part, we've all been staying put. And so there is something about like, oh, well, at least they're in Paris. Like, <laughs> True. I am <laughs> like, very, very invested in the Paris aspect of it. Yes. Yeah. So there's that. But I'm with you. It's not good. But at the same time, it's something I'm watching. Something yeah. I watched. Okay, the only other thing I watched, and I watched it a little bit, I think, with you in the room, but after we got back from Seth Meyers, I remembered that I had seen this documentary about Late Night on, it's on HBO, but I believe it was a CNN production. And so I, I love stuff. I love stuff like that so very much. And I grew up watching, I mean, I, I say grew up watching, I watched David Letterman as a kid, but definitely as a teenager middle schooler who would like convince my parents I could stay up till whatever 1130 on a Friday night. (laughs) Uh, And so, and Chet was a big Conan O'Brien fan. And so I feel like I was attuned to all of that drama when all of that was happening. And so I really was just curious about the history of late night and the story of late night. And I thought this was really great. So I watched it on HBO, but I believe it is a CNN production. It's called the story of late night. And if you, you know, if you, read the SNL oral history, or if you, yeah, are curious about Johnny Carson or David Letterman or Jay Leno, or trying to get, you know, women involved in late night TV, which I was actually super intrigued by the fact that David Letterman, I think, I know he did, and maybe Jay Leno did too, like their showrunners or their writers were predominantly women, which I found interesting because I never, that was never really something I knew or was aware of. And so that even behind these men of late night, really women were behind the scenes doing a lot of the writing and the work. Anyway, I just thought it was fascinating and interesting to see kind of the evolution of late night TV and where a lot of writers, I was so, a lot of the people they interviewed, they were like, oh, late night will continue forever. And I thought, will it? Will it really? (laughs) Because it feels like not if, or it feels like we're watching it differently. Like Mm -hmm. people like Seth Meyers know we're watching it on YouTube the next day. And so anyway, it was just interesting to see how people were like, oh, late night's around forever. Late night will be around forever. And I thought, I mean, I guess I kind of hope so, but that's an interesting statement to make. So thought the whole thing was really interesting. Yeah, that's I, wa- I remember watching a little bit of that with you. And that's 
more of those behind the scenes things that I'm super interested in. So double recommendation from me. Okay. Anything else? We're ready to move on to listening. Let's move on to listening. Okay. What you been listening to? So we, we all know Emily P. Freeman. We all know and love her. She has, (laughs) she has a podcast called the next right thing. I'm sure a lot of people listening have already heard of, listened to and loved this podcast, but there has just been something about these past few months, really starting probably in the last quarter of 2021, um, mm-hmm. continuing on through now, the subjects and the the words that she says have really just been resonating with me. I don't know, mm-hmm. I don't know what she's studying or thinking about, but whatever it is is fantastic because it's mm-hmm. translating into things that I am really needing to hear. I love her podcast and I really have to pick and choose when I listen to it because yeah. it it often moves me. <laughs> <laughs> and so like, it's not like my morning listen to while I'm trying to, you know, put eye makeup on, right. <laughs> but it's really shower listening, uh-huh. <laughs> shower therapy, great, great shower uh, listening <laughs> or something like that. But she always, I don't know how she does it. She always seems to speak to write what I need. Yeah. She's so wise. So wise. I've actually been listening to some music lately and one of my, okay, you're going to laugh at this because, because you poked fun at my Jane Austen, Tony Morris and Wendell Berry plan, <laughs> but you know, I've been a little obsessed with the Beatles mm-hmm. and I decided to like lean fully in, uh, this year and the Beatles have 12 studio albums that's equal to 12 months, everybody. And so I'm listening to one Beatles album a month. I'm trying to then pick my favorite song from the album in hopes that then I will pick my favorite Beatles song. I know what I think my favorite Beatles song is and what it was when I was 18. And I would like to know if it's still the same. Like I know for sure what I, what I loved when I was 18, but I'd like to know if it's still, still that. So in January, I listened to Please Please Me. And in February, I'm listening to With the Beatles. Uh, That's their second studio album. I think people would find fascinating that the Beatles released multiple albums a year, um, which is not, I think, the norm anymore, really. And I don't know if this is cliche or not, but I really wanted to tell what my favorite songs were, not what like the critics say or anything. So my favorite song from the Please Please Me album is their cover song of Twist and Shout, which turns out is the version that I was most familiar with already. So. <laughs> okay. So I, I just, <laughs> I physically can't wrap my brain around doing something like that. I just have a question. It's a fun little project. It's so much fun. Um, <laughs> so, okay. 12 albums in 12 months. Does that mean you're just not even going like the 12th album doesn't even exist until December? Like so you are far, only yes. listening to one. That is fascinating. I'm, I'm trying it this way because I am most familiar. <laughs> I am most familiar with the 12th album. And so, but I'm less familiar with some of their earlier and middle albums. And so I feel like I don't really need to listen to the 12th album until later in the year. Um, but it depends. I mean, look, and I'm listening to other things. I'm not just listening to Please Please Me by the Beatles because I do think that would have made me go a little bit crazy (laughs) in January. I'm listening to like podcasts or other playlists or songs. But if I am like driving in my car and I'm thinking, 
oh, I need something to listen to, I default to a Beatles album so that I can, you know, research. That is just fascinating. <laughs> you're you're so good for any kind of structured environment. I just, when I get in the car, it's whatever I'm feeling that day from, mm. it's a song from the playlist that I keep where I just keep all of the songs that I like. <laughs> I mean, I did start, you have, like, I think you and I have very similar ways of creating playlists. I could be wrong about this, but like, I just create a playlist for every season, of, mm-hmm. give or take of my year. And, and what I, by create a playlist, what I mean is when a song comes across, whether yeah. it's through Instagram or maybe I hear it in a commercial or it's in a movie I liked or whatever, I add it to the playlist yeah. and these become little time capsules for me. And so I've started my winter 2022 playlist and put a Beatles song on there because it's the Beatles cover of the song from Music Man. And so oh, yeah. it's delightful. And now every time I play this playlist, I will think about you and me going to Music Man, but I didn't want to include a song from the actual music man. Right. Um, Oh my goodness. We tried to listen to that when we were driving (laughs) home from the Atlanta airport. Let let us know if you want to hear the whole story, but (laughs) the music man soundtrack is not quite of the same caliber as the music man, the show, the live show. No, I think you kind of need to experience the show. I don't think it's the kind of cast recording that you can just listen to for kicks and giggles. Maybe you can. I cannot. It's not, it's not the wicked soundtrack for sure. Yeah. So anyway, so I think the Beatles has been a fun thing to like incorporate in. Um, but you're right. It is a little structured. It's very Enneagram five. It's like a deep dive. It's my yeah. little project. And I like that it has nothing to do with books as much as I love books. It's just a nice <laughs> thing that is not bookshelf. It's not work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not makes work. sense. So I've been listening to a song over and okay. over again. Great. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, that's what I do. I just listen to one thing. You know, I like to, I find one thing that I like and I run it into the ground till I hate it. <laughs> okay, I don't, I, I don't, I don't hate this song yet. I actually really like it. Um, it's on my hype playlist. Um, it's called Green Lights by Cruella. I don't oh, know if like it's your bell. thing. It's spelled with a K, K-R-E-W-E-L-L-A. I don't oh. even remember where I heard this song. It's good for good for workouts, good for in the morning before you get going, maybe on a tough day or something. And it's just good okay. to jam out too. It's just a, it's a fun song. Okay. The only other thing that I really have been listening to is I really love. Speaking of somebody who does playlists totally differently, uh, is Kendra Adachi, who like she creates these beautiful playlists and like she wants you to play them in order. Mm-hmm. Whatever, more power to you. I think that's amazing. That's not how I create playlists, but that's why we love Kendra. And so she has two playlists that I listen to pretty religiously. One is called Breezy Instrumentals. And then the second one, I am so sorry, but it's her second instrumentals playlist. And I am somebody who cannot listen to music with words while I work. Like I cannot, I will type the lyrics of whatever (laughs) I'm listening to. And so I really need, if, if I'm going to listen to anything, it needs to be instrumentals. And I think she really does a beautiful job of compiling instrumental playlist that I would not be able to compile on my own at all. Mm-hmm. And so I really love, I love both of those. She's a genius at it and um, I'm happy to, to um, take advantage of that. Yeah. We normally do buying. Do you want to share anything that you bought? Sure. Always. That's what I did the most this season. 
Okay. <laughs> First and foremost, I bought Broadway tickets, but <laughs> um, I also this is this is a New York plug, but you can buy this online. I we went to Zabar's, the grocery store, mm. and I bought. Hold on, I looked up how to pronounce this earlier today. Rugalock. I oh, bought yeah. those, those little pastries. And they come with cinnamon or chocolate. I bought the chocolate. I originally bought them for my dad, but mm-hmm. I think I have eaten 98% of them. <laughs> they are fantastic, okay? You would love them because you just like pop one in your mouth and you're done. They're a perfect mm-hmm. little snack. You can buy them online. They okay. have a website. They're, I highly recommend. They're delicious. Okay. I have so many things to say, but... I bought a tote bag from the New York Public Library. That was one of my actually favorite little spots for souvenirs while we were in New York. Um, So that is something that I really loved. And I also bought a Seth Meyers t-shirt that I really am proud of and excited about. And gosh, I also brought home. Now, you have to tell me, how do I pronounce this bakery? Levon or Levain? I say Levon because it's French. Levon. Okay. Levon. That always reminds me. Oh, you're what the French say called. Les Les incompetents. Anyway, we went there. Ashley wanted to go there. It turns out it was right near our hotel. And I I didn't give you a report back. So I just wanted you to know, I brought home approximately six pounds worth of cookies. (laughs) Not an exaggeration. No, not an exaggeration. They weighed the same as those little baby weights you lift to the gym. (laughs) Uh, and Ashley was like, I don't know if these are going to hold up. And I was like, they have to, like, they're supposed to be the world's best cookie. And so I brought them home and I did have to throw a couple away only because I could not, they're so rich and I could not eat them fast enough, but I brought them home. I wrapped a warm, wet paper towel around them, microwaved it for 30 seconds and truly some of the best cookies I've ever had in my life. Again, so rich, but I just Mm -hmm. wanted to tell you, if you find yourself on another trip to New York or on your own trip to New York and you stop at that bakery and you get cookies and you're like, are these going to make it home? The answer is yes. And you just need to warm them up in a warm paper towel. And then you'll be so glad you brought them home, (laughs) even though they weigh six pounds in your carry-on. I wish I had brought some home for my family because that's I make my chocolate chip cookies based on their recipe. And I would really like for everyone to know that like I make really good chocolate chip cookies and they do taste do. a lot like those cookies. But no, nothing compares to those cookies. They were really good. Huge and very so rich, good. but so good. So rich. I really wish you had taken – we could have split the bag. I don't know why we didn't think of it. I know. That would have been a good idea. Next time. It's, it's fine. Next time. Uh, anything else? Um, speaking of running things I love into the ground, I bought, I'm, I've already talked about these on this podcast, but I bought more of those one canoe, two notebooks. Oh, yeah. Um, I can't, now I can't remember the details about them, but the bookshelf used to carry them. I don't know if they still have them, but one canoe, two carries them and the pages mm-hmm. are fantastic. They weren't even having a sale, but I bought three. And the very next day, the very next day on Instagram, somebody posted a reel and was like, I don't know who needs to hear this, but you already have 10 unused notebooks. You don't need to buy any (laughs) more. And I was just like, well, rude. (laughs) Yeah. No regrets though. These notebooks are absolutely fantastic. They haven't come in the mail yet, but. Oh, happy mail's on your way, on its way. Mm -hmm. Oh, I also, I got in the mail COVID tests. That's not as fun, but I did get them in the mail finally. We, We got those too. 
Okay. Well, I feel like, you know what? I know, I know, I think I know how you feel about winter. I know how the internet feels about winter. I love winter. It is my birthday. The store is a little slower. My life feels slightly less chaotic. I know there is some angst around winter and this season of the pandemic, and I will admit that it has been hard for me as well. But I feel like it sounds like we've had a pretty good winter, really. Yeah, you're right. I have no regrets about this winter at all. Yeah, we're doing it. Coming out alive. Thanks for coming on, and yeah, we'll see you in a few weeks. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. This week, I'm reading The Confessions of Franny Langton by Sarah Collins. Ashley, what are you reading? I'm reading Matrix by Lauren Groff. From the Front Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. You can follow The Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at bookshelfteville. And all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website, bookshelfthomasville.com. A full transcript of today's episode can be found at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com. Special thanks to Studio D Podcast Production for production of From the Front Porch and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Your input helps us make the show even better and reach new listeners. All you have to do is open up the podcast app on your phone, look up From the Front Porch, scroll until you see write a review, and tell us what you think. Or if you're so inclined, support us for $5 a month on Patreon, where you can follow along as Hunter and I conquer a classic and as I participate in live video Q&As in our monthly lunch break sessions. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We're so grateful for you, and we look forward to meeting back here next week.